0: And in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy to spend some time with us, Chip and Zay, from 1 to 3, the Texas TCU tailgate. It is on, baby. Um, Zay? What's up, man? How you feeling, dog? How you feeling? Feeling good, baby. Feeling good.
1: Yeah, man.
0: You got that energy. You got that Friday feel.
2: Yeah, definitely got that Friday feel. Happy Friday to everybody that has a lot more difficult jobs than you and I. (laughs) I'm not saying our jobs are hard, but, hey, our jobs are a lot fun, bringing y'all all all this sports content, especially Texas football content. And, yeah, man, I'm feeling gravy, feeling real gravy, feel real confident for tomorrow. How about you?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I want to give a shout-out to – some new listeners, Gonzo and Scotty, who uh, it's amazing that, you know, I got to tell everybody to set an alarm in their phone every weekday for one o'clock. I mean, of course, be on the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel all day long. But, you know, for if you want to make sure you never miss an episode of Chip and Zay to set that repeating alarm in your phone just for weekdays don't you don't need to do it for saturday and sunday but just set it for one o'clock weekdays and here we go so zay um and we're going to talk to chris clack we've we've figured out um when chris clack uh when's a good time for him it'll be today 1 30 john mcclain at 2 uh, talking all things NFL, talking Texans, man. CJ Stroud going nuts. So, um, but you know, I kind of want to start today's show, Zay, by talking about Ollie Gordon of Oklahoma State because it's kind of amazing that this guy has, I don't want to say single handedly turned around Oklahoma State's season. Um, but he did go to Mike Gundy and say, Hey, I can help. This is a guy who had 19 carries through the first three games, which included, um, a loss, a 33 to seven loss to South Alabama. What up major? What up major? Um, He actually had, through the first four games, he had 37 carries. Okay. Over the last six games, as Oklahoma State has gotten on a six game winning streak, which has included wins over Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati, and OU, Ollie Gordon has averaged 27.4 carries. For 165.8 yards per game and 10 touchdowns. And oh, by the way, Oklahoma State has won six games in a row. Mm. As Texas is preparing to take on the TCU Horn Frogs, I might just point out, Zay, that the teams that have run it more than they've thrown it in Big 12 play against TCU all have beaten TCU. Every one of them. West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech. So I don't think it's real hard to figure out what the plan, especially when you got a quarterback starting in the game, coming off an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder. Mm. Pound the rock my man Hell yeah. you got it if you got it flaunt it you got that offensive line you got that you got that thousand yard rusher now and jonathan brooks you got it flaunt it
1: yeah
0: i mean let's not get cute zay yeah i agree I
2: 100% agree. I mean, this should be a Jonathan Brooks game to get him back in the dope Walker Award conversation. I mean, obviously he's in it, but it seems like Ollie Gordon, the guy you just mentioned, he low-key might be running away with it, especially if Oklahoma State makes it to Jerry World. And you talk about Ollie Gordon going up to Mike Gundy and say, hey. Can you give me the ball more and maybe we start winning more games? Shout out to Mike Gundy for swallowing his pride and listening to his players. Like a lot of coaches, they can't do that. They can't have their players come and, you know, say something like that because they would feel disrespected. Like, oh, you're not buying into the program. You're not coachable, this and that. And, hey, some of the best coaches are able to accept that their way sometimes doesn't work. And you got to be open to doing certain things or changing things. And, you know, you heard about it back during the Rick Barnes era with TJ Ford, where TJ Ford was like, yo, Rick, you got to let me loose. <laughs> you got to let me go. Like, I get you want a lot of this structure, but TJ Ford's different. And you just let him have the ball and let him go crazy. National player of the year. You know, you saw that with Matt Brown and Ricky Williams back trying to change his hair. All that stuff had to have his wife. Tell him, yo, Mac, let Ricky do Ricky. And Mac was like, okay, what happened? Heisman later. So I love stories like that, man, like Mike Gundy. Shout out to him because, again, a lot of coaches out here are very prideful and it can hurt them for their careers and the current jobs they have. And Mike Gundy is able to adapt and listen to his players. So if you're going into this game, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, like the stats that you just said, Chip, which I love, all the teams that are running more than they're throwing the ball against TCU are getting dubs, then do that. You know, because Quinn Yours, he's going to be a little rusty. I'd like him not to be everybody would like him not to be but you would have to think missing two games and we still don't know if he's 100% I mean those grade two AC joint sprains sometimes it could take about two months and it's taken Quinn like almost three weeks so how healthy is he okay well let's protect him by running the damn football letting Jonathan Brooks go crazy letting CJ Baxter get into the mix you've given the ball to Keelan Robinson these last two weeks not much but you've given the ball to him Jalen Blue He's starting to get, you know, into the mix more and more. Like you got guys. And Savion Red, his confidence is probably down a little bit from the fumble on the fourth down play against Kansas State. Let's get him back in the fold. Let's let's get him back his confidence back. I'm not saying that it has to be a fourth down, you know, situation and the Red Cat, but just any type of touches will be good for this game, especially on the ground. You know, whether if you need to do some jet sweeps or reverses with Xavier Worthy or Jordan Whittington, so be it. But even though I'm very confident in this team getting the job done tomorrow in Fort Worth, I would like to see Quinn yours, not the focal point for the offense. I would love to see it be the run game. And again, we know Stark and the style points and stuff for the committee college football playoff. You always got to account for that. Hopefully you could just get the job done and beat this team by double digits. So the style points could come organically, but yeah, Chip, I'm with you at the end of the day. Let's just run the football so you can get out of Fort Worth with a dub and go nine and one instead of eight and two.
0: Yeah, is that asking so much? No, I mean I'm not asking about the pass defense. <laughs> I'm not asking about the pass defense. I'm just asking: Can you give the ball to the dude that keeps winning games for you? Um, and I get it. I know people are gonna be like, "Hey, he fumbled last week." Okay, he fumbled after picking up the first down and dragging like three defenders with him. It's going to happen occasionally. I'm just saying. Yeah. And
2: you can't say that he's
0: 100% either. You right.
2: know, you saw him going to the sideline multiple times. So, you know, that's no excuse for fumbling. There isn't any excuse for fumbling, but he's human. Bijan Robinson fumbled when he wore the burnt orange. He's fumbling wearing the black and red for the Atlanta Falcons. Like, good backs. They fumble every once in a while. Like, it is what it is. It's part of the game. It's just you don't want it to be consistent. And it's not consistent for Jonathan Brooks. So, yeah, give him those touches, man. Absolutely.
0: And? The dude can catch the rock. Yeah. The dude can catch the rock. So that's uh, that's another reason to, um, you know, formulate the game plan around. And listen, give some carries to CJ Baxter. He's healthy. That's great. But don't forget who your veteran guy is. Don't forget who's who got you there. Don't forget about the guy that you kind of forgot about or not forgot about, but put – as rb2 at the beginning of the season didn't get his first start till week three against wyoming And oh, by the way he ran 21 times for 168 yards in that game
1: mm.
0: 7.8 a carry we'll take that um yeah i'm i think this is a this is a game where you got to punch tcu you get them wobbly and then keep applying pressure defensively defensively and look I went back and looked at some of the the past defensive plays like the the play where Philip Brooks gets the the crazy spin move on Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts was playing man right up on the line. Brooks got a made a good move to get off the line get out um, and run you know down the sideline. It was good coverage. It was a great pass. And then Brooks had a great move on Ryan Watts. I mean, even Ryan Watts said on Monday, he's like, that was just a great move. Like, yeah, uh, he's like, he uh, got me, you know I mean? it was a great move. Yeah, so, no, You can say he got broke off smooth, yeah.
2: smooth, yeah. broke off. I'm just glad. And then
0: Taff kind of got juked a little bit.
2: Oh yeah, he did.
0: And so you just got it. Phil Brooks is a senior. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's, Thick. He's tough. Um, you know, on the post touchdown after the turnover, Derek Williams is. He comes up and he's worried about Ben Sinnott, the tight end, and he doesn't have his depth in the in the zone. And so that post route was open right over his head, and it's unclear if Terrence Brooks thought he had help or not. Because good God,
2: Well, like he did because he just stopped
0: yeah because that you know that receiver was like freaking wide open. Yeah. so while the the Texas Oklahoma, the end of that game, Texas is playing that off coverage zone and no Ryan Watts in that game and that made a difference. um they've you know Watts is always up on the line. I'll give him that, man. he is and that's that's his advantage as a six foot three corner it's now here's the here's the thing that gets me though zay if you go back k-state had third and five right before the philip brooks touchdown pass for 26 yards k-state had third and five and texas was playing up you know looking like they were man across and then k-state got a false start and had third and ten And Texas played off coverage and got beat over the middle of the field for a first down. And that extended the drive to the Philip Brooks touchdown. And that's where, look, just because they need 10 yards doesn't mean you need to play the sticks. I mean, make it tough for them to get off the line. Like, don't don't get soft as the... You know the more yards they need, because honestly, I think it's already in this defense's head that when they play off coverage, they're starting to think, okay, am I, am I in the right depth? One of blah, blah, you know, just get some dudes up on the line. Like even Jade Barron, you know, he they had him off. Jade can play man coverage on the slot and. You know Terrence Brooks, Malik Muhammad—they can play man on the outside receiver and force them to work, because that's a—it gives the quarterback a cloudy picture. When you're playing man, it it looks bad. When you're playing zone, it looks great. Because a lot of times Texas is playing quarters coverage, they're they're passing off receivers. Quarterback knows that he can see. Oh, middle of the field's wide open. I'm just gonna go there. Yeah, if
2: you have experienced receivers that can find those gaps and just sit, even if it might not be the route. They're going to sit in the open spot, like, and the quarterback's going to hit them. So going back to that play specifically where the false start happened and it became third and 10, I don't know if Pete Kwiatkowski was thinking, okay, we're going to play off because this is their second down. Even though it's third down, they might run it for about – six yards and then go for it and then we'll get tighter then because a lot of teams do that we're seeing that you know a lot of teams that are going for fourth down they'll run the ball or get some short yardage you know type playoff and then they'll have about four or three yards to go then they'll go for it and try to run their best stuff so was he expecting that i don't know we can't really say but yeah you just just play tight (laughs) like just trust the work that you put in trust your athletes you know trust the sense Them and play tight because that allows this really good defensive line to get a chance to get after the quarterback. And if you're not doing that and you're just giving up all those short, you know, short yardage stuff, the dink and dunk stuff, which a Browse likes to do like that. He loves to do that. They love to throw it quick and play a lot up tempo and stuff and do quick, quick slant stuff and crossing route stuff. And those quick hitch stuff, bubble screens, etc., and move the ball up the field, especially since again, Travandre Sweat and Byron Murphy, they're causing so much havoc. Let's not let our quarterback, who's an absolute gunslinger and Hoover try to you know mess around with them no let's get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible and you got to play tighter when teams do that so you're right there for bang bang plays and not giving up much yardage especially yards after catch
0: okay for those of you who want to hear this again here is sark getting snippy this is what Kellner, his uh bk has titled this sark snippy with chip here we go. <laughs> against Houston, you know, gave up 378 yards passing, three touchdowns against K-State, 300-plus yards, four touchdown passes. TCU is the number two passing offense in the Big 12. And looking at your pass defense. Um, How many yards did those guys rush for in that game? Yeah, not much. Okay. Not right. much. Just checking. Yeah. So that – here's the full answer from Sark.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think a couple things. One, when you fall behind in the game by three scores, um, and you and you have to throw it, you're you're willing to take a few more risks. Uh, and inevitably, you know, in those games, we got a couple really critical turnovers. Both games, we got two sack fumbles that we recovered. Both games, Michael Taft gets interceptions. Okay. And so I, I recognize when you get behind, you you start throwing the ball and your and your pass attempts go up. Um, But when you're you're stopping the run, you can affect the quarterback, you can create turnovers, okay? People are going to get some numbers in the passing game. Would I like it to be a little tighter? Sure. But we can also do our part offensively and not turn the ball over and not give them short fields because I think that inevitably had much of an impact in that game as well. Um, And so if we can continue to affect the quarterback, if we can continue to create turnovers, if we can continue to stop the run, um, and, and then ultimately not give up explosive plays in the passing game. That would be, that would be ideal. Okay. And so, you know, there were some plays the other day that, that were, we, you know, we just didn't play very well. Most notably the sudden change post for the touchdown um, you know, the, the fade ball where we missed two tackles and the, and they score there. Um, if we can clean those types of things up, if a team's going to throw the ball 48, 50 times a game, and then you go average per attempt, and they're you know maybe a three hundred yard day, the odds are we're probably playing pretty good as a team. And and ultimately, uh, our goal is to come out on top and win the game. But to your point, yes, can we be better in pass defense? No question.
0: Okay, I mean, he his word that he uses is tighter. I'd like tighter coverage," he said, coming off year one when they got blown to bits on defense, one of the worst defensive seasons in UT history. Pete Kwiatkowski, you know, addressed the media at the in the spring of 2022 by basically saying, "What pass rush? You know, I mean, it was awful." Okay, Sark said, "We want to play tighter coverage. We want big corners." who can match up on the outside and we can do whatever we want in the middle of the field. That's the only reason that this is a thing for me because is Sark okay with this? Now I do think that they've played more up on the line. I think Ryan Watts, obviously to the boundary side of the field, he's always going to be up on the line or nine times out of 10. Um, but the only reason we're talking about this Zay, is because Houston came back from 21 zip down. And if not for a questionable spot on third and one from the Texas 10 with the game tied, Texas might've lost that game and the 20 0 run that K state had last week. Allowed them to come back from 27-7 down to force overtime. And that game came down to a final play. That's, that's why we're talking about it. Because, like I said, I've had former players kind of blowing up my phone about, are you asking them about this? This is going to get Texas beat. And TCU, number two pass offense in the Big 12, just Asking a question because you don't want Josh Hoover to catch fire and suddenly you go from a game where you have a double digit lead and you're suddenly in a dogfight. Only this time you're like you were at Houston, you're on the road where the fans are, you know, feeling it. And, you know, it's that was that was pucker, that was pucker time at Houston. Devondre Sweat. I mean, the whole team owes T Sweat and Byron Murphy a, a trip to Gaddy's for some pizza or, you know, <laughs> salt, salt Traders Coastal Cooking for some, you know, for some New Orleans shrimp, New Orleans, you know, shrimp or grilled oysters. I mean, it's like you just don't, you don't, you you want to put teams away. And and that's that. Also leads us back to the Texas running game and just keeping the opposing offense off the field. The masterpiece to me this year was Kansas. You hold the ball for 40 minutes, they get it for 20, they don't even have time to do anything. You win 40 to 14. And here's Kansas beating OU. Kansas, you know, that yeah. was a that was a good win.
2: Yeah. Definitely. And you go back to the Houston game, John A. Barron not playing in the first half and them being so desperate where they had to play 23. Obviously, that was great because he had the game-ending deflection. But you saw a lot of Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson playing that star position, playing those slot guys. And that, we talked about it then. That's not what we want to see. We'll rather have Jalen Gilbo in, which Jalen Gilbo was solid. When you think about BYU, you know, and what he did in that game, you know, like he was solid. So, yeah, I I think that just the safeties when it comes to certain communication and signals like you just mentioned, Derek Williams and Terrence Brooks getting lost on that play that was over the top after the Jonathan Brooks fumble, you know, uh, that that's. That's one thing that you definitely have to worry about. And I don't know. I've been kind of hearing this all weekend, but shout out to UT Parking. What's the injury report on TCU? And I've heard that might be they're missing a few receivers. So, that could obviously hurt the Horn Frogs and what they want to do under Brow's offense, but you know, it don't matter. It don't matter who they put out there. you got to shut them down. And playing tighter, that's going to allow this defensive line to really cause havoc and the linebackers to really make plays because, you know, they don't want to run it. Even though Emmanuel Miller's solid, like they do not want to run against Texas. They are going to have to. They want to balance it out as much as possible. But to your point, Chip, we saw against Kansas State once, you know, Colin Klein said, yo, damn this run game. Let's just throw the ball and see what happens. That's when the com- uh, the comeback started. So yeah, this defense, the secondary, they're still vulnerable at times. That's why Blake Gideon, Terry Joseph, y'all gotta be locked in every week because when teams are going to attack Texas defense, they're gonna try to attack you through the air first, knowing how good that defensive line is. So yeah, I'm looking to see what they do this weekend. And yeah, if you run the ball and don't allow TCU to have opportunities to score points, then that's always a good offense for the defense. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah. 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 And now it's, you know, again, you should be able to sense how close you are to the finish line and that hunger, whatever injuries you're playing through. Quinn Ewers, great example of this. Jake Majors, great example of this. They know the window is now and the hunger factor should be extremely high, no matter, no matter who they're playing. And we should start to see this Texas team flex on people. And look, if West Virginia can go into Fort Worth and take TCU down, Texas absolutely should. And, and look, West Virginia probably going to give OU some fits in Norman tomorrow. So I know you're sizing up your picks, Zay, after you're, after going zero three. Ooh, that ain't a good you, look. You were you, <laughs> you were rolling up until
2: I was, man last That's not week. a good look. So yeah, I'm trying to bounce back. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I'm trying to bounce back. We'll see how that goes, but. Yeah, man. Oh, you better be careful, cause losing three straight that ain't a good look. Right after you beat Texas, not a good look at all. And Brent Venables, when he thought he was safe, mm, you lose three straight. That ain't too safe to me.
0: <laughs> Suddenly, the you know the Danny Stutzman T-shirt comes back, and you turn into the punchline. You know, I warned him. I tried to warn him. Be you careful. Did. You did. Be careful. Like, no, you did. You, yeah. you, my man, Perse Hilton, found that immediately and turned that into his right call. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Uh-huh. The head coach.
2: The head coach. Mm-hmm. Got humbled real quick. Real
0: oh, quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's almost Thanksgiving, but you can get that humble pie anytime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, ain't, it ain't like pumpkin and sweet potato where you just see it, you know, more towards this season. Nah, you could get that humble pie anytime, Brett. So, yeah. hey, well, tough titty. <laughs> real,
0: real quick before we get to Chris Clack, let me, let me tell you about Apple leasing and getting into the car that you really want to be driving. Because some of you are just driving around in a car. You don't care. You can't stand it. And that's no way to go through life especially in austin texas where you're going to be in traffic you go to apple leasing you're going to get into any make or model of car they're going to get you whatever you want and you know what they don't care what car you pick you know they just want you to be happy because they want a relationship with you over time so if you're like unsure or you have questions about what car might best suit you then just call them at three four six nine nine seven seven and they will talk you through it like, hey, you know, what kind what kind of stuff are you carrying around? You got a lot of kids, you got golf clubs, What what's happening? Um, they're going to get you into the car that's best for you. And then two, three years into the lease, you want to change, make and model a car? No problem. The easy lease. Everything is easy about Apple leasing. Don't lease from a dealership because you're going to get, they're not going to let you out of that lease. They're going to hold you into it as long as possible and apply the penalties that's not what apple leasing is about apple leasing is about you being happy with the emphasis on you and you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car so you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford and it's brand new and it's under warranty Appleleasing.com. leasing.com just check it out whether you want to keep your payments in the 400 range or get a range rover they're going to get you whatever you want um, give him a call three, four, six, nine, nine, seven, seven. Tell him chip Brown sent you. All right. Zay Um, I want to give out a bunch of Olipop on Monday. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want a, a bunch of players to, uh, to come through and it's, you know, it's, it's getting to be award season. I'm a Heisman trophy voter vote on these awards the nagurski um butkus you know let's let's see it let's see the the finishing push here because it's like a like my man sean adams used to run the 400 which is a brutal race can maybe not as brutal as the 800 because you gotta do two laps around the track but the 400 is brutal because you've gotta you gotta be fast but you can't Bonk you can't go out too fast. So that you have nothing left for the final hundred yards. This is where Texas needs to kick it in the final hundred yards of the 400. And they got by with the skin of their teeth against K state and Houston. I mean, you, you need to get those images out of the committee's head and give them a reason to put them ahead of Oregon. Cause right now, I wouldn't put Texas ahead of Oregon after having it come down to a last play situation at home against K state after being up 27 to seven. Hell no. Oregon's looked really good. These last, I mean, they looked really good against Washington. They, if they kicked a field goal here and there, they'd have won, but here we go. You know, I mean, Oregon has got, uh, they still got a couple of tricky games left, but people are talking about the Big 12 maybe getting left out. And you just don't want that conversation to even surface. Because if Texas looked great after beating Alabama and whatever, they let one get away against Oklahoma after going up 30 27 with a minute 17 left. Then if you're looking great after that, no one's talking about you being left out they're talking about oh texas oh you got lucky texas is a monster and texas is a monster that's the thing so don't make it look like you're not a monster you were up 21 zip on houston you were up 27 7 on k-state with four minutes left in the third quarter and over the next two and a half minutes all hell broke loose They gave up 20 points in two and a half minutes, Zay. That's like, that's hard to do.
2: Yeah, that was a quick swing. (laughs) It was a real quick swing. And yeah, just the little mistakes from the punt block that you saw with Kansas state and you know, the turnovers Malik Murphy, just throwing the ball to who knows who and Jonathan Brooks fumbling, giving the Wildcats good field position to go make something happen. And, you know, you're still 95th in the nation in red zone efficiency. So that ain't helping no one like God, that still has to get better. You know, when you get in the, inside the 20 against the Horn Frogs, you got to score, man. And you can't, be desperate while doing it, because once you get desperate, the team fills that. Sark. Once you pull, in, you know, Savion Red out there three straight times, and then you still don't get it, like you did against what BYU. Like <laughs> that's they fill that desperation. So again, everybody has to be on point. And yes, you would like to see some blowouts in these next three weeks, so the committee could be like, oh, okay, this Texas team—they for real, for real. You know, that game against Wyoming oh, and all, then that was just a fluke. That game against, you know, Kansas State and uh, U of H, those are just flukes too. Oklahoma, those are just flukes, which the Sooners, they ain't giving you no help because they just lost two straight, which some Texas fans probably would love for them to lose three straight. I don't because I'm just going to allow the committee to say, damn, Texas, how y'all lose to these fools? You know, and hey. You're in that situation now. This you wanted to control your destiny from jump, you're not there no more. So all you could do is handle what you got now. And TCU, if you blow them out, that's gonna change the narrative for a lot of people, especially with Oregon and what they do. Now, I still think that, you know, listening to Lance yesterday, he said that the Oregon blowout win against Utah might be bigger or just as big as the Horns win at Brian Denny. I don't know about that because, again, that Alabama team I just saw gets LSU. Say what you want about Brian Kelly's squad. Like, they're figuring it out. They're scary. I wouldn't want to play that Alabama team now. Thank goodness the Horns got them in early September. But, yeah, man, I I think that's a huge win. But you got to start, you know, the style points. I know that they have to be there. I just need it to be more organic. And if they are, then hey, the horns should be in a good situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, this is, this should be fun. This should be this should be where Texas can't wait to take the field every Saturday because their team is so good, and they just can't wait to to work work someone over. You know, and that's that's where it uh, that's when it gets fun. You know, a guy who knows something about working people over as a Texas Longhorn, the one and only Chris Clack. Chris Clack, Chris, I told Zay, man, and I bring this up every time I talk to you. When you were playing for Anderson in the state tournament and you had to make three free throws with no time left to uh to get your team over the hump. I've never forgotten that.
1: Yeah, man. Uh I I I uh I really wanted to win that game, being that you know no Austin team had ever um barely really gotten that far more or less even won it. So uh, for me to have that chance, that opportunity, I man, I was just focused uh and you know I didn't want to let my team down and hey look, uh, God willing I made all three and we went on to play. Unfortunately, we lost a game against a, a good, you know, put off the league and Steven Jackson team. But uh I mean it was a great game and uh and I I, I mean I remember to this day. I got I have I have it on videotape, so sometimes I try to reminisce and go back and watch it, you know. Still get mad to this day we lost, but at the same time, hey, it is what it is, it was fun. You you did what you could, man. I'll say that. Yes, sir. I appreciate
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I never asked you because you playing that Port Arthur team with Stat Jack on it. And both of y'all were at the McDonald's All-American game together. Like, how was that seeing him there? Be like, oh, man, y'all just beat us and stuff. Was he because he likes to talk. We see him with Matt Barnes on the show and stuff. He likes to talk. So I'm sure he wasn't really quiet for words at all. But, you know, how was that seeing him after that game later on at McDonald's All-American game and different all-star games like that?
1: Well, Steven Jackson and I, and I, you know, Steve, I tell people he ended up staying and going to a prep school for another year. So he ended up playing in the McDonald's game the year uh, after me or oh. before me, because uh, I think he was a year younger than me. Um, so um, I didn't get a chance to play him in the McDonald's game, but I did see him be when I was playing, you know, professional in Boston. And going to these different tournaments, and he's also from Port Arthur, Lincoln, uh, and Port Arthur. My mom's from Port Arthur, and you know, I used to visit my grandmother every Christmas. and I have a, very, a lot of family still there in Port Arthur, so I've I, I, I spent a lot of time in Port Arthur. I even spent a summer out there my junior year in high school, and I played it with those guys at, at Lincoln every day at, at their high school. So I know Stephen Jackson very well. Um, even some of his, uh, you know, cousins are, are related to mine, and I know very, very connected uh personally with him but uh know yeah, it, it was cool like i said you always talking smack and and uh know at the same time i mean it's, it's a mutual respect between both and you know we know where we both came from you know how hard we worked together we got to so um you know it's just all the, the competitive spirit and and just having fun and just having bragging rights at the same time so
0: yeah well chris tell everyone what you're up to now because you got a you got a camp that, uh, yes,
1: um, I, I, started a, I started a foundation with a friend of mine, Jason Watts, and uh, uh we it's a Chris Clack basketball defensive camp, man. And we want to focus on you know, teaching kids fundamental skills, you know, pass and shoot, dribble, of course. But, um, defense is what I want to focus on because a lot of times, um, you know, you got kids that are, you know, you're good in everything, and and, and sometimes the, a lot of these coaches, a lot of these scouts are, are looking at something that separates. A lot of these kids apart and sometimes it's, it's defense because you know you can get a guy that can put up 30 but you're also giving up 30 points you know that, that that's not that's not a good deal so i just want to be able to come you know, you know kids five through 12 um is 60 dollars is at Austin sports Rec. um you know it's from 9 to 12 tomorrow and uh um, we just want to come out there you know show kids the fundamentals you know teach us some defensive skills i, I know defense is, is not the, the flashy part of the game, but you know, the, the corny cliche is defense wins championships, and, and, and it actually does because we see it all the time, the best defensive teams end up playing the championship game. So um, I want to be able to teach that. and You know, for kids that can't score, I mean, there's always a spot for you to play defense on any team in any sport. So um, I know the name of the game is to put the ball in the hole, but at the same time, um, you got to be able to defend and, and, and give yourself an opportunity to, to win when, when, when you're not scoring. Because some days, you know, you can't put the ball in the hole. It's not going your way, and we all, are, you know, as athletes know that. You know, and have went through that. So um, I just want to, you know, be able to get back to the community that way, and you know, come out and you know, have a good time and, 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 and learn some basketball. You know what I mean? And you know, that's what I'm here for, to try to bring.
2: Speaking with Lifetime Longhorn, Chris Clack here on Chip and Zay. Hey, Chris, you know, which I admire you for hosting a defensive camp, because as you said, it's not the most flashy in the world, but if you can find a good defender, that could take you a long way. When did you realize, with as good as a score you were coming out of Anderson and obviously going to UT, but when did you realize, man, I could be a serious factor defensively also with my athleticism and my length and just basketball IQ as a whole?
1: Yes, and I, and I was very good at anticipating and getting in the passing lanes. And and defense also helps you, you know, say you're not making your, your outside shot. You know, you get a couple steals, get some layups, get some dunks. and excites the crowd. It changes the momentum of the game. I mean, it, it does a lot, you know, and I was able to do that. And, and I wanted to do that as much as I could. You know, I was able to, you know, be, I'm second in steals at UT currently. Because, you know, I, I was just good at anticipating and getting in passing lanes. And, and Rick Barnes, my senior year, did a good job. I good time good good thing of showing me different angles and how to attack the defense and which foot to attack defense with. I mean there's a lot of technical stuff, you know, that goes into to teaching, you know, defense is not just you know, a lot of time it's just effort, but sometimes it's, it's technical things as well. And you and you can use these technical aspects of the game to kind of help you, you know, with your with your energy and so you know expend as much energy. You know, you know, because it, t- it takes a lot of effort to play defense. But there's ways to do it. There's smart ways to do it. So um, my my thing is try to teach these kids, you know, at an early age, how to, to, to play defense, so they'll be able to play on, on any level. Because um, you know, if you've got a good coach, if you see someone that can play defense, they should be have a spot on anybody's team and be able to play for anybody if they can play defense. You know, that that that's the least you can do. That's you know, that's that's all effort for the most part. So. All
0: right, Chris. Uh- Tell me again. It's uh, the Chris Clack Defensive Skills Camp tomorrow from nine to nine twelve. To
1: 12. But Austin Sports Rick is on four two five Woodward, um, right by right across the street from St. Is, um and and uh, like I said, just come out, um, you know, be early, you know, and, and come out and, and, and enjoy some good basketball. And, and and for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm also you know trying to build awareness for mental mental illness and. And I have a foundation for uh, uh, PSAT, which is called People Supporting Athletes and Teachers. So I want to be able to help athletes um, and also teachers, you know, you know, be able to be a, get them resources to where, you know, because I used to be a teacher as well. I know how hard it is, you know, how hard we work as teachers to provide for these kids with, with you know, some of the salaries teachers don't get paid very much. But at the same time, um, you know, I want to be able to, gives back to the, the athletes and the teachers and help them, you know, with their resources and whatnot. So, and also build awareness to mental illness and whatnot, because that is an issue that we all need to think about. And self-care and taking care of yourself is very important to me. So
2: Yeah. What made you get into that, you know, dealing people with mental health, which is, Great that you're doing that, because I still don't think it's being addressed like it should. Well, what made you get into
1: that and really focus on that? I first off started as a teacher's assistant, and I, a lot of the times I, I was I was a special I was in a special ed department, so I dealt with I dealt with a lot of autistic kids, and a lot of uh, Down syndrome, a lot of kids had uh, 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 just mental distress and, and disorders and trauma and PTSD and so forth. So. I dealt with a lot of that as a teacher, teaching special ed, and then also within my family, I have a nephew who's been to the state hospital a few times and and deals with a few things. But as he's gotten older, he's been able to deal with it. And he, you know, didn't like the medicines they were taking and and doesn't want to rely on medicine. So, um, you know, just working with him and him getting older and understanding his mind and how it works, You know, it's it's an important thing. And, you know, with some of the recent suicides and not to say that has something to do with it, but, you know, we all have things that we have to deal with. We all have life issues um, and we all need to take time for ourselves and take care of ourselves because I know we have lives, but at the same time, you know, if if you can't take care of yourself, it's going to be hard to take care of your family and everyone else. So that's just really important.
0: Chris, what do you what do you think of Rodney Terry taking over and and. what are you hoping to see from the Longhorns basketball team this year?
1: Uh, I got a chance to go see the, uh, I guess, the first game, the St. ass game, and uh, I'm excited. Think they, got, they got some talent over there, and, and it's just a matter of those guys believing in, in Terry and what he's got in his process and, and, and building it. You know? And I'm sure Terry put the X's and O's and all the people in place that needed to be, but... I'm just excited to see what happens and, and, and go from here. And, and I'm, I'm excited that he's got this opportunity. Yeah.
2: What players do you like on this team? I mean, Dylan Mitchell, he's back for another year. I know he tested out the NBA waters and obviously it didn't work out that way, but him coming back, that's huge. Hunter coming back, them bringing along Ace Miss and Horton and Chedron. What do you like about the individual players with the squad?
1: I like Hunter. Um, I think he's, you know, solid player, you know, you know, they started out kind of slow, say it as game, um, but, you know, picked it up later on. You know, I only stayed first half because I was playing my own game, which probably shouldn't have because I'm sore right now. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, but anyway, um, you know, I, I like the guy, the, the, the transfer from uh, number three. I don't know. I can't think of it. Ace Almost, Smith. Yes, I, I like him. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. Which kind of reminds me of the oh, you running horns, just put it up as soon as you get it wide open, Um, you know. And guys, you know the motion in the offense and just not being afraid. You know, even Brock went out there and took some quick shots. Go out there and play basketball, and and, you know, and you know, ball can't go in the hole if you don't shoot it. You know, take chances, take opportunities. You know, offense looks good. There's a lot of motion, and I'm just excited to see how, how how you know. I know it's early, so I'm just kind of excited to see how it comes together and how these guys pull together and see who becomes the alpha male and who, who who really stands out as the the man or the go-to guy on the team because in the past few years we've had an issue. We, we haven't really had a go-to guy, somebody that we can really look for to get a basket. And Marcus Carr and some of those other guys kind of stepped up to be those people. Um, but, you know, this year I need to find out, see who that guy is, who's going to step up and who, who's going to be the go-to guy.
0: Yeah, for sure maybe Dylan Dazoo once he gets back and another central Texas, uh, product. We'll, uh... Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to see, uh, hopefully, you know, he can get over the injury bug and, and just play basketball. And, Cause he, he'll be a tremendous help once he gets back. Cause, uh, you know, and, and I'm excited about the big, uh, big, big guy inside 21. The big, uh, he, uh, he's, Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's not afraid to dunk the ball, and attack the rim. So, um, uh, I'm excited to see how, how 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 this season pans out and how, how they come together as a team.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, tomorrow, 9 to 12 at the uh, Austin Sports Center, 425 Woodward, uh, $60 for kids ages 5 through 12. Uh, walk-ups are welcome again yes. tomorrow morning, 9 a.m.
1: They want to come learn basketball, come, you know, play with other kids and, and, and mingle and, and, and get a chance to learn for some for guys that are very passionate about basketball and, and, you know, was able to, you know, bring a lot to me and my family and, and my life. So I just want to be able to introduce sports to kids you know, and, and uh, not just basketball. I'm going to be involved in football, baseball, soccer, just every single sport, just to get, you know, I think it's very important to get involved with something. Uh, and there's a sport for everyone. Um, and, and just get out there and, and, and take care of yourself and take care of your body. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, hey, man. Chris.
2: Chris, okay, so we're talking a lot about Texas TCU for football, but your daughter's at TCU for basketball before he let you go. How's that been watching her? She's left home. I know that's hard for a lot of dads when the baby goes away and off to college, but she's hooping and stuff. How's that been going?
1: Uh, she's had some uh, – been in a doghouse a little while, going through some growing pains as being 18, trying to figure out your life and study hall and – getting to practice on time and and you know eating meals when you're supposed to but she came home uh, about a, you know, a month ago and she looks good she gained about 20 pounds um you know with this with this portal you know they're, they're, she's playing with 20 23 year old women you know you're not playing with girls anymore so i'm glad she's able to get some size on her and get some muscle on her and kind of tough her up because high school you know you get pushed around but you know, she's skilled enough to, to get around and maneuver around all that stuff. But in, in, in college it's a little different. You know, you got it's a little harder to do those things unless you got the physical attributes to do that or at least work towards that. But she's doing well, man. I'm excited to see her. She had her wisdom tooth taken out, so she didn't play the first game. Um, you know, but you know, we're we're working our way in there. Um, coach says she's one of the best defenders on the team, so um, we're going to try to use that to get her some playing time this year. But, you know, she does, she does, she doesn't, she doesn't. So you know, there's a portal. There's other things that we can do if she doesn't play. The problem with it is not really a problem, but uh, her coach that recruited her got fired, and the, now she's with a new coach that they just hired. A week after, a month after she signed, Her the coach got fired, so now there's a new coach there. She has, So she has to earn the trust from this new guy that didn't recruit her. Um, there's two top 100 girls that are from Texas that are up there with her freshmen. But they're just working. And, and I think, you know, once they get through the growing pains and knowing, knowing how to maneuver through college, and uh, I think they'll be fine. Because uh, I know she plays defense. I know she plays hard. I know she's a very smart basketball player. So all those things with a good coach can get you on the, on the court. And if not, there's other coaches out there at the school. So I'm excited <laughs> to see what happens.
0: Hey, great. If she plays defense like you play defense and like these kids tomorrow who are coming to your camp at 9 a.m. at the uh Austin Sports Center at 425 Woodward, yes, everybody's gonna be coming out with some defensive skills. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, get you some easy layups, some easy ducks, you know what I mean? Uh, everybody hates it, but hey, I love playing defense. You make the other the other guy upset, the other guy mad gets him out of his game, and hey, uh, that's always a plus
0: yeah. Heck, heck yeah well chris we got to do this
1: more often man with basketball season just getting going let's do this again all right i'm uh, i'm around just give me a call guys and i appreciate you having me on and it's good to see you guys and a uh, now that I found out where you are, because well, I was telling my my buddy Mike Harsh, I said without one hundred four, without the horn, I, I I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so now I knew you're you, fine. you guys are my information. You guys are my every day. I listen to you every day in the car. So um, I appreciate you guys. I love listening to you guys and, and keep up the good work. Well, appreciate appreciate you, man. All right, thank you.
0: All right, there he is, Chris Clack. And by the way. Um, Let's get you the information one more time uh Chris Clack defensive skills camp 9 a.m to noon tomorrow at the Austin Sports Center 425 Woodward is the is the address kids ages 5 to 12 uh 60 bucks and walk-ups are welcome. So uh, I also tweeted it out from my Twitter Chick Brown two, four, seven. So you can get that information there as well. Um, all right, Zay, we got John McClain coming up a real quick about uh, Great Blue Hair and Furniture. Go to greatblueheronfurniture.com and you're probably going to get some ideas about, wow, this is like amazing high-end leather furniture built for a lifetime. And the cool thing is whether it's bar stools or couches or recliners, They'll even help you design it. Yeah, it so you can get exactly what you want. Now, who else is doing that? That's the beauty of great blue hair and furniture. You're not going to some box store buying furniture that looks good on the outside, but is built with like balsa wood on the inside, so that when you recline a few years from now, it goes and suddenly you're, you know, trying to pick yourself up off the floor. Great blue hair and furniture. Is the best constructed custom furniture and it is built for a lifetime. Great blue hair and furniture.com. Um, Zay. Um, Chris Clack. I'm just telling you, I forgot that Steven Jackson was in that damn state tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Report Arthur Lincoln. Yeah, man. Yeah. Damn. Stack Jack. Underrated
2: player he is, man. Oh, yeah. A lot of Spurs fans feel a certain way about him because he was kind of a head case in San Antonio in two different stints. He was on that 0-3 team, and I want to say he came back 2011-2012. And, yeah, him and Pop with butt heads, but that dude, really solid
0: career in the NBA. All right, well, we go from one blockbuster guest to another. We bring in... The legendary NFL writer, John McClain. Of course, you can read him now at sportsradio610.com. John, how are you doing?
4: Great, guys. Great time to be a talk show host, sports fan, columnist in Houston. Texans are 4-4. Rockets are 5-4. and Rockets have been red hot under their new coach, Emma Duke, Duke, They just beat the Lakers by 32. Ooh. and uh they were antonio davis didn't play but i don't think he would have made the difference that's only the fourth time in their history they've beaten the lakers by at least 30 and it was ugly and they're playing defense they brought in two veterans fred van Vliet to be the point guard and then dylan brooks to be the villain the heel and uh, he's playing that role to perfection and they've been loading up with First round picks for the last three years when they're the worst team in the league. So we got two teams here in which things are looking up considerably. And we're waiting on the Astros to hire their new manager. Everybody here is hoping it's longtime bench coach, Joe Espada, who uh, replaced Alex Cora and was Dusty Baker's right hand man. There are reports that that's who the general manager, Dana Brown, wants. They hope Jim Crane will sign off on it. It would be. A smooth transition. They don't need somebody coming in here trying to reinvent the wheel for a team that's been to the AF, AF AL Championship Series seven consecutive years. Yeah.
0: Well, I will start with the Texans, John. I'm I was reading through your column, CJ Stroud's, you know, performance through eight games, reminiscent of Deshaun Watson's uh, impressive start in 2017. You're covering a a better team than you probably thought you'd be covering.
4: Right now, every column I write on SportsRadio610.com is Stroud related, and I thought, well, if I could get Stroud and Watson in the same lead and the same headline, it might get some more clicks. And (laughs) but they are—they do have similar starts. The difference is, Watson had 19 touchdowns in seven games. Stroud has 14 in eight games. Watson had eight interceptions, Stroud has one. And the one really big difference is Watson ran a lot. He always ran a lot. And Stroud has had a double digit run in each of the last two seasons, but he prefers to throw from the pocket. He can't always do that because protection breaks down. And while he's only been sacked five times in the last six games, three that were his fault, he wants to find receivers. And he just had three go over more than 100 yards, played – Best game in the NFL by any, quarter, any quarterback this season. Maybe the best in history by a rookie. And I interviewed for a column next week, uh, Warren Moon, who had the best game I've ever seen in Houston. People go, wow, this must be the greatest game of any quarterback in uh, Houston history. I said, nope, it's the greatest game by a quarterback in Texans history. And Watson played some great ones, too. But he didn't have to play without his kicker in the second half. And he didn't have to play without a pathetic running game that the Texans have every week. And um, he didn't lose six players in the game. But Warren Moon in 1990 went to Kansas City in December. Weather was terrible. Wind, rain. Kansas City had a great defense, a lot of top players. And he threw for 527 yards second most in NFL history, to Norm Van Brocklin's 554 in 1951. And he had terrible physical conditions. And, of course, Stroud had perfect conditions at NRG Stadium. But there's not, not taking away anything if you go back to 1960, and it was the second greatest. Yeah.
2: John, talk to us about offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. I mean, coming from San Francisco with the Miko Ryans, he didn't get much credit there because it was all Kyle Shanahan to what the people thought. But now you're dealing with a rookie, like you said, Stroud and just what he's doing this year. Talk about the offensive coordinator a little bit for
4: us. Slowick has a very interesting and unique career. He started off, his dad's a longtime coordinator, defensive coordinator, Bob Slowick for three teams in the NFL, and Bobby got his start on defense under Mike Shanahan in Washington. And they became good friends with Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator. And then when Mike got fired, Kyle went to Cleveland for a year, then to Atlanta, before he got his first head coaching job with the 49ers in 2017. After Mike Shanahan was fired, Bobby Slowick, a defensive coach, went to Pro Football Focus and worked for three years. And he watched a lot of tape and film during that time because he had great players. And then when Kyle got his job in 2017, he brought in Slook as a defensive assistant, D'Amico Ryan's as a defensive assistant. They became really good friends. And Kyle Shannon told me after D'Amico was hired here, he said, I stole Bobby from the defense. And I said, Well, you're the head coach, you don't have to steal anybody. He said, Well, I wanted him. To come to offense because I thought he'd be great at it. And he said, Last season was the greatest offensive performance I've had a team have. And this is better than Atlanta because they went to the Super Bowl and their offense was prolific. Matt Ryan was an MVP. And he said, Yes. And he said, It was not a coincidence that Bobby was the passing game coordinator and had uh, more of a role than he's ever had. And he told Slowick, because Slowick and D'Amico were really tight, and they had a deal, even though they don't admit it. If one got a head coaching job, the other one would come as a coordinator. And it happened to D'Amico first. Kyle said he knew he couldn't keep Bobby. Those two were joined at the hip. And one thing that Slowick could have had, he wants to be head coach. So he would have had a better chance to be head coach uh, with the 49ers because they had a better chance to win big. But he told them, he said, I need to call plays. I need to learn how to succeed and fail as a play caller so it'll better prepare me for whatever else I do in the NFL. And now that's working out really well for Bobby Slowick. He's not going to get a head coaching job after one year as a coordinator, although Mike Tomlin got one after one, and Brandon Staley got one after one. But uh, I think he'll be here two years. And as long as Stroud continues to play well, they're going to continue to improve. And I think Bobby Sloick will be head coach in 2025.
0: How's uh, How's Damian Pierce doing, John?
4: Not. He's out. Texans are missing so many players. I see the Bengals are like, oh, my God, we don't have T. Higgins. We don't have Sam Hubbard. Okay, you're missing – Your second-best receiver, Texans are missing their best receiver, Nico Collins. They're missing – they will play without their top three safeties, only Jalen Petrie and guys off the street at safety (laughs) going against (laughs) Joe Burrow. And they also have lost Henry Toa Toa, their linebacker. But they got dipped there. They should overcome that. And uh, they get a defensive tackle, Sheldon Rankins back. And he was hurting before – he was playing well – before he got hurt now nico collins out Damien pierce out your best running back but doesn't matter if pierce's playing or not they still can't run the ball they've been terrible it's not the backs it's the alignment they cannot run block they're good pass protectors and they're awful run blockers
0: yeah that's killing me because i have them on my fantasy team but hey i'm happy the texans are still rolling
4: they're rolling, and, and and something interesting, they're going to lose this game. They're six and a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Bengals have won four in a row the last three. They've been three playoff teams. But their schedules after this game are just the opposite. That's what happens when you come in first place and fourth place. The Bengals play one team the rest of the season currently has a losing record. And the Texans play two teams that currently have winning records and that would be Jacksonville and Cleveland, both at home, and they've already beaten the Jaguars by 20 in Jacksonville. So even if they lose this one, then they'll be four and five, and if they were to lose both of those, that means – and then win – beat the bad, bad to mediocre teams, that means, they, let's see, four, five, six – they'd still finish nine and eight. I didn't pick them to do that. I picked them to go 6-11. So if nine and So they're 9-8, and it'll keep them in wildcard contention. If they don't make it, it'll make people really fired up about next season. I got a question for y'all. Yes. Hypothetical, and I want you both to give me your best answer. Okay, Quinn yours is coming back. He had an injury to his right shoulder, his throwing shoulder. If you look at most of the mock drafts to have him going in the first or second round, it's a really deep draft for quarterbacks. And when you've missed time, and and so if he were to go back to school as the starter and do well, he could be a high number one pick next year. But if he were to go back to school, uh, would uh, Arch Manning transfer? Because Arch didn't come there to sit out for two years. What do y'all think?
0: I don't think Arch would transfer because he, he knows, and he came in knowing he was going to red shirt this year. So him, him not playing this year is,
4: is yeah, no done next year.
0: Right. So if Ewers is back and yours is the starter and Arch is the backup. Um, Cause I, I think, I think Malik Murphy's probably, you know, I, unless look if they all love it there, maybe they all stay. But I, I don't think Mark, I don't think Arch would transfer. Even if Quinn came back.
4: Well, if he does transfer, all he's got to do is go up about 80 miles up the road, up i 35, and he can <laughs> immediately and then go to the NFL. That would be at Baylor, of course. It's not illegal to do that anymore. When I used to make speeches talk on the radio, I'd talk when Baylor was awful. This was back before Art Browse, and I would say, I'd tell kids, Well, you want to start immediately. I get to go, I would speak at banquets where you had all the best players from the Houston area. Most of them had committed, of course. And I'd say, but if you want to play immediately, make an impact, go to Baylor, which was probably illegal. And now nothing's illegal unless you're (laughs) stealing stealing signs the wrong way. (laughs) What do y'all think is going to happen to Harbaugh?
2: I've been hearing maybe a three-game suspension for them for these next three games that they have. And obviously the Ohio State one is the biggest, but that's the word on the street. And this is going to be the Big Ten having something to do with it. But, yeah, NCAA, they don't want nothing to do with it.
4: What
0: do you Yeah, think? I mean, I didn't think anything would happen until after the season. Sometimes the NCAA waits a full year after something's happened, and then they still don't do anything, like Kansas and North Carolina basketball. So the fact that the Big Ten is getting – and this guy, Tony Petiti, who no one knows as the commissioner, is getting pressured by – you know, a certain number of schools in the league to do something uh, to Harbaugh as as soon as possible. It just uh, it just speaks to the sort of disarray of the leadership of college football right now. We got three commissioners; no one even knows. You know, so I'll tell
4: you something that blows me. Of course, the politicians up there are immediately going to file for an injunction to find a judge in Michigan. let him play. That'll be really hard to do. And the thing that I have a hard time believing, and I want to know what y'all think, and I've watched everything, I've read everything, I'm really interested in this, and I haven't seen anybody on any talk show on TV at least say Jim Harbaugh's one of the all-time control freaks. And that guy, Stallions, was on the sideline next to coaches holding a stat sheet. And they've got pictures of him. So, Does Harbaugh just, huh, okay, I don't know who that guy is, so let him stand there? Could Jim Harbaugh actually have not known about it? I don't buy that for one minute.
0: Yeah, but you know that's what's coming. I mean, that's why the assistant coaches in college basketball went to jail and the head coaches didn't because they all cut you loose when it starts to hit the fan. And it's disgusting and it's repulsive. But it's the way of the world. Now, if they have direct evidence, okay. We thought they had direct evidence on Bill Self and the LSU. They did. Yeah. (laughs) Self is the
4: biggest contract in history. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you win, uh, what did Augie Guerrero say? Life treats winners different than losers.
4: That's a fact. That is never. Never a truer word has been said, so I can't wait like y'all are. We're all waiting to see how it plays out. I saw a thing today, which I thought was really interesting on Get Up on ESPN, that the Bears are trying to get a new stadium. Harbaugh played for the Bears as well as the coach, getting him because he's got a great winning percentage, and even though he's a pain in the butt and wears out his welcome, would they hire him to help him get a new stadium? That's the reason – that uh, Jerry Jones hired Bill Parcells to help him get the votes for his new stadium. Cause he thought he could turn them around, get a lot of attention and that worked out great. And I'm sure it's been done other places, but would the bears, I, what about Mark Davis? I mean, he's a, he's a, a bird brain. He, he's capable of coming up with all kind of instant wild things. He gave Gruden 20 million a year. I guess if Harbaugh's agents said I want 30 million, he'd do it. But remember Harbaugh's been interviewing him in the NFL. Nobody's heard. Yeah. 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 Hey, let, have... let me ask you
2: that. So sorry, Chip. Let me yeah. ask you that, John, on Soldier Field. Like, is it I know it doesn't have that same Lambo mystique, but it's still a pretty legendary stadium. They don't wanna just, you know, just make it look better or renovate it. I don't know. <laughs> it's just they're stuck on getting the brand new stadium in Chicago and that's it.
4: Well, remember, say they, the bears bought land in a suburb. They bought a lot of land and they want to build their stadium on their property. Now there's talk of another suburb coming after them and, and which is probably drummed up by the bears because you need competition. So say they bought this land, but they need all kinds of tax breaks and say that County where they're in says, nah, no, we're not going to give you those tax breaks. And then they convinced another county, and they said, "Oh, we'll give you land and the tax breaks." And the politicians in Chicago, when they redid Soldier Phil, I was in the press box when they lost a playoff game, and we'd been down getting interviews. We were back just starting to type, and some big old union guy came in and said in in two hours or whatever time it was, We're taking this stadium apart, and we're beginning with a press box, so you guys better be out of here. Well, we complained to the Bears, the NFL. It didn't work because the union had controls, so I don't think I've ever written anything faster. And as we were working, we could hear hammers and chains and saws. They tore that stadium down, built the new one in, did it too fast. It's not a good one made the capacity too small. It's also the fact it's on the lake. If you go to the suburbs, you don't get as much wind. I've been told in Cleveland, because the stadium's on the lake and the wind is awful, even when the weather's nice, had they built in the suburb more toward Canton or Akron, they wouldn't get near the wind they do. So the Bears are going to go where they get the most money, and right now they control all the land in that suburb, and I don't see Chicago caving in It's such a hot, Potato. When it comes to politics, mm.
0: John, I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned, you know, your story at uh, SportsRadio610.com, talking about CJ Stroud and Deshaun Watson. I want to get your thoughts on Deshaun Watson and his time in Cleveland, and what what you expect from him.
4: He's been injured. Last year, of course, was kind of a wash. He didn't play in 2020 because more than 20 civil suits, almost all of which were settled, not all of them. So he goes up last year. He missed the first 11 games of suspension, and he was not good. And this year he's been up and down. Defense is great, best in the NFL. And there's some good defenses like Baltimore, Kansas City, but Browns are playing defense unlike they've ever played. They lose Nick Chubb, their best runner, and they're still a really good rushing team, and I think they've got a good coaching staff. If Watson could put it together, you know, they got a chance, not I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but to return to the playoffs. When Watson had the four teams that he told the Texans he would go to, he had no trade clause. And first one out was Cleveland. and wanted to have no part of Cleveland. And the reason was he played one game up there, and the weather was so bad. The wind was so bad, they had to to uh they had to evacuate the stadium. Unfortunately, it was during the pandemic, the pandemic season. They only had 12,000, and the wind was just terrible. He and Mayfield threw for like 50, 60 yards each, and they won on a Nick Chubb run. And so that weather, I wouldn't want to work there either. And then when the Browns got together, well, what can we do? Well, let's offer him a guaranteed contract. They called his agent, David Mulligata who also represents C.J. Stroud, offered him $230 guaranteed, fully guaranteed. So all of a sudden, Cleveland looked a whole lot better. But the fact is, his heart wasn't in Cleveland to begin with, and he's undergoing a lot of criticism there. That's a tough media market, and they're just eviscerating him for being hurt, for not being good, for not being worth all the trouble, to guarantee everything. But I know he's physically tough. And I know he's mentally tough because of everything he's gone through, a lot created by himself. So I think he'll bounce back and be good, but he'll never have the stats he had here or in AFC South because his stats here were all compiled indoors in AFC South, indoors in Indy, Jacksonville, Tennessee. It's a whole lot better than playing all their division games outdoors in bad weather in December and January.
2: John, what was your take on the Cowboys losing to the Eagles last Sunday afternoon? The Eagles now going to their bye, feeling really good, especially in the NFC where a lot of Cowboys fans are just wondering, man, Can't win the big game. They're a good team, but when they play those high-powered, high-quality teams, especially a squad that was in the Super Bowl last year, they just can't get over the hump. What did you notice in that game from the Cowboys and the Eagles?
4: That they continue to have clock management issues. And Mike McCarthy's been in the NFL 17 years. Dak, I think, is in his eighth year. They shouldn't have clock issues at the end of games. And Dak gave it everything he had. Dak's a really good quarterback. He's not a consistently great quarterback, but you gotta know the rules. You gotta have people making the right decisions. And some of the things they did, it lack of discipline, penalties at the worst moments, and then blow and make it having clock issues. You're not gonna get over the hump and they're not gonna go back to the Super Bowl just based on talent. When it comes down to the playoffs, it's about who's healthy who's got the best quarterback, and then who can make the decisions correctly uh, when times are tough and the Cowboys don't do it.
0: John, you are a uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. Who's on on the docket for this year?
4: Um, They haven't told us yet who the finalists are. They We we voted down to 25. The deadline I think is today. I did it a month ago. And then they'll send us the thing announcing who the finalists are. I'm assuming three of them will be just like the last two years. Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, and Torrey Hall, Three great wide receivers. They'll cancel each other out, which makes me sick because I'm the one presenting Andre Johnson and I fully believe he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne won Super Bowls. They played with Hall of Fame quarterbacks, had a lot of other Hall of Famers on their team, and with uh, Andre Johnson, did not. But uh, so I'll be ready to make the presentation sometime. I can't remember. We're meeting in Atlanta, this 50-member selection committee. We've been doing Zoom uh, during since, since the pandemic, and then used to we'd go to the Super Bowl and have a long meeting. The day before, but now they like to announce the final as before. So it's gonna be fun. I'm eager to see who's made who's made that fifteen. The other ones, uh Buddy Parker, the coach nominee, won the last two championships by your Detroit Lions. They won one playoff game since. He dominated Paul Brown, one of the greatest <laughs> coaches in history, which I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. We put people in that don't deserve it over him. But we finally, the coach contributors committee uh, nominated him. So we'll rubber stamp him when we have our meeting. So Buddy Parker will finally go in and it's long overdue.
0: Yeah. He was with my man
4: Bobby Lane. Bobby's already in the Hall of Fame.
0: No, I know, but Buddy was coaching Bobby Lane. Yes, he
4: did. And you can imagine what that was like. (laughs) Everybody coached Bobby Lane, boy. You better be ready for the party. One time when Bobby Lane was uh, in his company in Lubbock, this would have been in the late 70s. I was going around the country doing interviews with people like Bud Wilkinson and Bobby Lane and Bill Vack and George Ellis. And so I go to Lubbock. And i had done all this research on Bobby Lane and his notorious partying as well as, of course, his great play. And I talked to a lot of people. And I sit down with him in his office and I sit across from him. And uh so I kind of made a joke about partying. And he said, Let me tell you something. He said, That stuff about partying, that was all made up by the media. That wasn't me. I didn't like to drink. I didn't like to party. And if he'd been Pinocchio, I would have had to get out of the way because he knows it. <laughs> You'd and have been when a I hit. Add him, I so I'm thinking I better bring another blast. And when I did, he stuck to the story that none of it ever happened. It'd be like Joe Namath, Kenny Stabler, guys are like, oh no, no, that that wasn't me. That's just mean old media people. So the story, I did it, but it was not nearly as good. Wow. Wow. Man.
0: That is disappointing because Rooster That's Andrews I thought. Rooster Andrews told me. I think the best Bobby Lane story I've ever heard. He's he's he was in a car accident. He didn't want Bib Falk to know about it. He's pitching against AM in College Station for the Southwest Conference Championship. And he told Rooster Andrews, get a 12 pack of beer, put it at the end of the bench where, you know, I'll be over there, you know, rest in, everybody <laughs> leave me alone. And he kept drinking beer. Through the whole game, through a no hitter, (laughs) they won, and he gave the Aggies a double bird as he walked off (laughs) the field at College Station. And I'm like, this guy is legendary.
4: Speaking of that, I got another longhorn quarterback story. If y'all got a minute, yeah, Bill Bradley, uh, Super Bill, Super Bill, Taylor, we call him Dollar Bill, and uh. (laughs) Bradley, who's a gridiron legend of Texas, and I see him when we do events for Pelton's Children's Center. And Bill's got such great stories. If half of them are true, it's great. Still only one of two players in NFL history to lead the NFL interceptions and back-to-back seasons along with Everson Walls. So Bill has told his story, and and I've had him tell others while I was listening, so he's kind of made it a consistent story. So I hope it's true. Uh, he told a story about when Daryl Royal came to him telling him he's being demoted because Emory Ballard had this new offense he wanted to put in and thought street was more suitable to it. So in the spring they moved him to wide receiver and he said, I was like fourth or fifth in the depth chart and I knew coach was testing me. So I kept my mouth shut for one of the few times and I did what I was supposed to do. And I took my lumps, teammates giving me a hard time he's been then they moved the defensive back and of course then he had nine years as a safety in the nfl which turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to bill and uh his junior year they played they played a he said and he said he threw i think four or five interceptions and the aggies beat him which is one reason Emory wanted to play a new system so the next year uh he said that uh, in the pregame coin toss, he's a captain. He goes out there. They, before the AM game, they win the coin toss. Captain Bradley, you win the toss. What would you like to do? Kick, sit, receive, defend? He said, We don't give a bleep. And the ref goes, Captain Bradley, do you want to? I heard you and I told you we don't give a bleep. And they never had anybody say that. So the referee runs over and tells Royal. And he could see the smoke coming out of Royal's ears. So Royal told him what they wanted to do. And Bradley said he thought about going to one end of the bench to avoid Royal, but he went right up to him. And Royal was like just spitting. He was so mad. He put his hand on Royal's shoulders and says, Coach, we don't give a bleep. We're going to beat the bleep out of these bleeper, bleeper naggies. And he said that he intercepted Ed Hargett like four times and they won the game.
0: Wow. That's too that's, good. Man, that's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> that's what you call a war daddy right there. Uh, hey, John, we always appreciate it. Um, story time with John McClain. So you think the Bengals cover the six and a half?
4: I picked the Bengals. I I think uh I picked the Bengals 30 to 20. First place, I picked them 30 20, and then I then I'll pick them by seven. I picked them 30 to 23.
0: Gotcha. Well, we appreciate it as always. Let's do it again next week.
4: Thank you guys. Thanks for not bringing up Baylor football. I'll see you all. Longhorns, Longhorns Long are going to coast against TCU. Well, let's uh
0: we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. They've been, they've made some games and adventure that no one expected.
4: Ewers yeah, is back. He's going to light it up. Y'all have a great weekend.
0: All right. Thanks, John. There he is. John McLean. Um good stuff with uh with John there um hey how about sitting in your great blue hair and furniture while watching your audio visual consultations big screen i mean this is the way to do it folks we're we're getting you all set up here uh audio visual consultations is the easiest call when it comes to wanting to upgrade your big screen surround sound surveillance electronic shades new lighting they are the spot. And all you have to do is call 255-8678. And from the free consultation to installation, Tom McKay and his crew will bring everything to you. Don't go shopping around for a TV. He's gonna bring you the best price on the best big screens. LG, got Sonos surround sound. It's so simple. All you gotta do is call 255-8678. It's what I do. That's what I've done. Three different houses. Tom and his crew have come set me up. Um I know he's helped out every just about everyone on the staff. So when we talk about audiovisual consultations, we are talking from experience here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. avconsultations.com which is called 255-8678. All right, Zay. I am ready give you my chip shot let's go ready you ready all right so texas you get quinn ewers back um for the start uh in this game and it is it's gonna get interesting here uh, about quinn ewers and what he's going to do next year And at midseason, I was told, don't count on Quinn Ewers turning pro. It's not a slam dunk Um, because I think Quinn felt rushed leaving high school early. And I think he wants to feel like he is absolutely, you know, where others see him. You know, like if others see him as a first round pick, he may not see himself yet as a first round pick because he's still learning the game, still mastering the game. Um, And and I think these last three games of the regular season and whatever happens in the postseason are going to have a lot to do with whether or not Quinn Ewers decides to do what everyone thinks he's going to do, which is enter the NFL draft. And Quinn is a, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's, he's not, he's not an introvert, but he is low key. He's quiet. He's chill. And he's obviously really talented. And he's also very thoughtful. Like when you heard him in the spring, apologize to Texas fans for the season he had last year. That stuff matters to him. I mean, he, he's not, he's not Jay Cutler, you know, Jay Cutler was sort of like, just was like a big clump of asbestos, you know, where nothing really phased him hot or cold. And which, which is odd because like after his career, Chib, no, sorry to cut you off, but when he
2: had that reality show with his wife, oh yeah, Jose Hilton. He was all, like, an extrovert, and they were always joking around. He was always clowning her. They're divorced now, which that should show you something, too. But Cutler was a completely different person off the field and, like, with the cameras on and stuff than he was on the field. So, yeah. Hey, you could have been playing for the
0: McCaskey family in Chicago. That'll beat the life out of anybody. That's true. (laughs) Because they are – the Ford family used to be like that until Willett took over. and now the lions are spending some money. They're hiring the right people, but yeah, but I think Quinn, you know, Quinn for a guy who doesn't show much emotion, he, he cares. He, he wants to be special. He wants to be one of the best. And, and so I'm going to be fascinated to see how these, you know, last few games finish up and obviously him coming back, um, If he was really worried about the NFL, he probably wouldn't come back in this game. He'd probably wait one more week. But this guy cares about his teammates. He cares about winning. He knows this window is now. And he wants to be a part of something special. And he knows after beating Alabama. And if anyone saw him after that game saying, it's time. He said it probably 10 times. He was going around to Texas fans saying it's time. And that's, that's why I just have a ton of respect for this kid. Cause I still don't think that it was totally his idea to leave high school early. um, And, and I think that he wants to take charge of things now. And, and I don't, I don't think he's going to leave until he feels like he's accomplished wh- what he needs to accomplish. and, Feels the way he wants to feel going, you know, to the next level, even though he'd probably get drafted, um, you know, high, make money, learn on the job, whatever. But I think these, you know, these last few games of this season are going to play a big role in, in what he decides to do. I don't think it's a slam dunk. He may well end up turning pro. And everyone's going to say, are you kidding me? He loses going to lose worthy and Mitchell and probably Sanders. And he's going to the sec. He's, you know, he's not going to know his receivers. Why on earth would he come back? He could only go down. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's going to hear all that, but he's, you know, he's trying to win something. He's trying to win a big 12 title and do something that hasn't been done around here. So that's where his focus is right now. And then, We'll see, you know how the how the postseason goes and and everything else. But, um, you know, I I thought I would chime in here because all these mock drafts sort of pointing to yours as a a guy who's you know 100 percent gone. I don't think I don't think that's the picture right now. Right. So.
2: Yeah. And, you know, when he's throwing against nobody, it's just it's a different arm. You know, that's where you hear the Aaron Rodgers comparisons like he throws a pretty ball. And a lot of these GMs and offensive coordinators and head coaches, when they see him, they could say, oh, we could use that and make it fit. Maybe not the way that Steve Sarkeesian has or just maybe his arm is more, you know, based for the NFL than it is college. I don't know. I'd like to see more reps from him. But hell, tell Anthony Richardson about reps. I know he ain't playing for the Colts due to his injury, but he only had one season at Florida before he was the number four pick. So if Quinn Ewers is looking at somebody like him as an example, then I could see him going to the league. But yeah, this dude's a competitor. I mean, I know I talk about how dumb it was him lowering his shoulder after he got hurt for the AC joint against you of age. But remember, after he lowered his shoulder and he delivered the boom like that dude, that dude got ran over. He was talking shit after that. He was in that dude's face barking at him like, yo, what's up, son? You can't. I'm a quarterback. What you think this is? And then he was like, ah, later, which, you know, obviously that was a dumb move. But Quinn has some fire in him that we didn't see in 2022. And he loves the University of Texas. You could tell, like, he's always it's always been a dream school for him. And I just think his path kind of got knocked off a little bit differently. You talked about him not necessarily wanting to go to Ohio State and leave football early. I mean, yeah, he does have his camp. His parents, like, they are a big part of what he does. Obviously, for a lot of us, our parents are a big part of what we do, especially when we're at that age that he was at. So now, you know, him controlling his own destiny, I think he understands that, yeah, I probably need more film out there for these NFL scouts to be more comfortable with me. But also, like you said, Chip, this team has a prime opportunity to go to a Big 12 championship and win that thing and hopefully maybe make some noise in the college football playoff. And it does worry me a little bit him coming back this early just because, again, the history with these great two AC joints, a lot of guys are out a couple of months, maybe at least six weeks, and you're talking about three weeks for a guy. So as Sark, A.J. Milwe, this offense, are, they know that. So is the play calling going to be like that? Is the play calling going to be more just, you know, adapting to what Quinn Ewers could do at this point of his career health wise and ability wise? And that's why you should lock in on number 24 and CJ Baxter to get it done this game. So Quinn's not put in those situations where it's like three. got to win it for us. I, he doesn't need to be put in those situations this week against TCU. I know TCU is up and down, but eight starters back on that defense, they can make plays and they can make life hell for Quinn Ewers, who I expect – first couple of possessions to be a little bit rusty so yeah I I think he's still the best option out there you know even if he might be a little gimpy I'd rather have him out there other than Malik Murphy just because for a defensive coordinator and a scheme I think preparing for Quinn Ewers is a lot more you know just just a lot more in general but you know yeah Quinn Ewers you got three more games left during the season to really make a name for yourself and your team to just get some more style points out there. So the committee could have some serious decisions to make. And it starts in Fort Worth, you know, tomorrow night. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the opportunity for these horns because, That was a big win against Kansas State. They might have mucked up 20 points, but that was a huge win for a team in recent years when they've got that dub. So that makes you excited just about these next three games for teams that aren't as good, but you still got to bring your A game, and I think they will tomorrow.
0: Well, and the other thing to think about, too, is here are the quarterbacks who are likely to be in next year's draft. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix.
2: Yeah, I only people that I'd see I'd take over Ewers, in that group is Caleb Williams and Drake May. Bo Nix, I don't know. Bo Nix has a lot of Brock Purdy in them to me. he does like you can't say he doesn't he gives me a little bit of Brock Purdy vibes like in the right scheme and right coordinator and team yeah it might work but don't forget what Auburn Bo Nix was like let's let's just keep it real like it's it wasn't this isn't a, a Jalen Hurts Alabama go to Oklahoma situation like Jalen Hurts was still good at Alabama just with Lincoln Riley he really found himself and you know really took it to a next level to where that's what you see now for the Philadelphia Eagles I don't think it'd be that (laughs) you know I don't I don't think it'd be that so I, I obviously could be wrong but yeah Michael Penix he might have something that dude, that arm, that, that's a different arm. But you got to worry about injuries with him. And you think about Daniels, who could win the Heisman this year still. Like, he's a hell of a player. But I don't know, man. That's, that's a deep draft. It's a deep draft. And if Quinn were to come back in 2024, then that 2025 draft, like – He'd be one of the top quarterbacks there too, especially if he has a good show in, in the SEC. And I don't know who would be up for those, you know, all the quarterback candidates in uh, that draft, that draft class, excuse me. But uh yeah, I, as far as Arch goes now, John didn't ask us about Malik Murphy. If, uh, if Quinn Ewers come back, Malik Murphy gone. See you yeah. later. Like, uh Ain't no need for me to stick around. And I would respect that from him. Like, he tried this year. And, you know, if the plan just doesn't go to what you think it's going to be, then, hey, the transfer portal, what it is now, you ain't got to sit out a year no more. Like, Malik Murphy, go be good somewhere else. Like, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I think Arch Manning, who is not in a hurry to get to the NFL, I think he just wants to be a college kid and enjoy the process. And if that means Quinn Ewers coming back kind of gets in the way with that, then so be it. Hey, I I can see Arch saying, hey, Quinn's coming back, I'm still going to bust my ass and fight for him for the job. Like, don't let Quinn Ewers come back and struggle. If I'm Arch Manning, like, don't let that happen because he can come back all he wants. But if he struggles and you throw me in the game and I excel – it is what it is. It's all about winning games for Sark. Like, Sarkage, you shouldn't be trying to make folks happy. That's your job on the line, sir. Like, it's about getting these dubs, man. So, so
0: this is an interesting question. Sam Vincent. do you think uh, Quinn is better than Colt now? Okay, so the only way you can look at this question is if you go back to 2007, Colt's second year, and the offensive line – was not very good and colt it was a struggle that was probably colt's toughest year at texas and then in 2008 colt took off and he did it out of the pocket they rolled him he was more accurate out of the pocket like the kid was kind of a freak and it's why he's lasted so long in the nfl because he's not just a pocket guy he can he can throw on the run as accurately as he can from the pocket and and that's when colt became a kind of a a supernova was in 2008 he led the team in he should have won the Heisman in 2008 um and if if Texas beats Texas Tech he would have won the Heisman in 2008 in my opinion um because He would have beaten out Tebow, Um, but that didn't happen. But Colt led the team in rushing in 2008. He also, you know, had 76.7% completion rate. It was ridiculous. His completion rate on third and seven or longer was 55% that season. It was ridiculous what Colt did. So um, yeah, Quinn's not there yet um and now that you look back it's kind of i don't know i mean colt playing all four years you know he was they list him at 6-2 he might be 6-1 i mean colt colt was a special person he had special mental makeup because he was never supposed to play at texas he was a three-star from Tuscola Jim Ned. Ryan Perlou was the big fish in that recruiting class. He was, you know, oh, I'm coming. To, I committed to Texas. I'm committed to Texas. And then signs with LSU. And Texas was scrambling. Remember, they brought in Jevin Sneed, They brought in G.J. Kinney. They brought in all these guys to compete with Colt. And Colt fended them all off and turned into a national player of the year. He's got his name up in the stadium. So. Colt had a, man, he had a sniper's mentality. He
2: was tough, boy. He was tough. Shout out to everybody on the CODA text line 512 222 9328. Someone says, Chip, if Quinn comes back, he needs to add 20 to 25 pounds of good weight. Kid isn't making it through an SEC schedule where he is at now. Yes, sir. We're going back to Chick-fil-A, baby. That's what I hear there. We're going back to Chick-fil-A. That's what that means.
0: Sprinkle in a little Chick-fil-A with that salmon.
2: Let's get it. Nah, all right. Man. Let's, we back to two sandwiches, two orders of fries, a big ass thing of sweet lemonade. Yes, sir. Oh, They're I love their shakes. Oh, but yeah, their shakes, shakes are all point.
0: They don't love me. <laughs> all right, Zay. We it's time. It's time. We got picks to make, but we've got the right call with Zay Collier.
2: Yeah, man. And God, shout out covert bk before i get to the right call covert auto group been around for over a hundred years providing everybody in the greater austin area just with a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles the outstanding customer service you know just terrific quality down there with dan and the crew over there at for the 42 acres and yeah they got seven terrific brands to choose from cadillac gmc buick chrysler dodge jeep and ram so that old hoopty that you've been riding around with. Get rid of that and go to covert B Cave. It's time for an upgrade, man. You don't need to be in that. If you're trying to, you know, you might be single out there and you need a new date and you need someone on your arm. Get a covert BK vehicle because she ain't trying to get in that 1975 pinto of yours. That's not what it is, man. That's not where you need to be at. Go to covert B Cave. Go online to covertbcave.com. See the specials, see the inventory. And get hooked up. What you waiting on, man? That hoopty ain't helping nobody. You want to bring her back to the boom boom room? That hoopy ain't helping nobody. You can with covert PK. I am telling you, <laughs> yeah, baby. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now. Not ever. All right, Chip. Man, now a little Perse Hilton for that ass with a former Longhorn. I wouldn't say legend, let's just say Lifetime Longhorn, because that's what he is, Tristan Thompson, Chip, Tristan Thompson, who is playing for the Cavaliers, he is the backup center for other Lifetime Longhorn, Jared Allen, and he's doing a decent job, but the fact that Tristan's still in the league with all the crap that he's dealt with, hey, salute to him, because he's 32 years old, and... He's still getting this NBA money, so I can't knock it. But a lot of other people know Tristan Thompson for his Kardashian lifestyle. We all know he and Khloe Kardashian used to be together. They got kids together. But we also should know that Tristan has done her very wrong over the course of their relationship, cheating on her multiple times, multiple times. And when you got sisters like Chloe does that are always going to be talking like Kim and Courtney and you got Kris Jenner out there roaming the streets causing all types of havoc for her family and making that money while doing it. You gotta be careful. This is what Tristan asked for, but he is owning up, Chip. He is becoming a man before our eyes, and I think on the latest episode of the Kardashian show that you could watch on Hulu, they're in season four. He sat down with Kylie Jenner because four years he ago... Was he to hook up, up with her. Look, he oh. was trying to hook up with Kylie Jenner's friend. That's what oh. really got... That's what really messed up everything, which... He made her famous. Jordan Woods is her name. She's with Carl Anthony Towns now, Minnesota Timberwolves Center. So, yeah, whenever you see the Timberwolves play the Cavs, let me know, because that's much CTV. I got to see that matchup. But, yeah, he kissed her back in 2019, and that ruined everything. Because Chloe, Chloe loves this dude. Chloe be giving them chances. You know, he's the father of her child. So she loves him. And they have a good relationship. My wife watches the show and I'll be peeking. I ain't go front. I'll be peeking. You know, it's, it's called quality time, ship. I like spending quality time with my wife. So I watch what yes. she likes to watch. Yeah. And it happens to be the Kardashians. It's like, screw you know, sue me. So mm-hmm. he apologized. He said, when I cheat, I feel disgusted afterwards. that's the headline comment that's going around social media right now when i cheat i feel disgusted afterwards
0: and i feel disgusted a lot
2: (laughs) which look cheating's wrong i get it cheating's wrong but in the nba it's kind of like drinking water they gonna cheat those dudes gone cheat. It's, you know, like you and I have never been professional athlete before, but you hear the stories about touching down at whatever airport you're at, and you drive to the hotel, and there's a flock of groupies just waiting for you. Flock. And a flock. Just
0: hotel lobby.
2: Yeah, and they dressed up too. It's not like they in sweatpants and no, stuff. Like cocktail they dressed dress. down cocktail dresses, the slim Eels. ones where all the things are showing and just mm, the temptation,
0: man. So here's my here's my question for you, Perse Hilton. Go ahead. Chloe was with Lamar Odom.
2: Yes, yes. yeah, she, like, she, has, she has a type. She has a type.
0: She should recognize crazy and yeah yet, she's with Tristan or has been with Tristan come on Chloe
4: that,
2: that's fair that's fair now I will say this Lamar wasn't crazy off the bat like Lamar was winning rings with Kobe and he was one of the best six men in the league like Lamar owed Odom like when game, she met him
0: he was doing oh, okay well, yeah
2: yeah, yeah. When she met him, he was already established and stuff like that. He became crazy, I think, because of the family. I think yeah. he got caught up in the, uh, you know, all just the crap that they deal with, and I think that really affects. Talk about mental health. We just talked to Chris Clack with that, like Lamar Odom. I think he's dealt with some mental health issues just by being in the family. So I can't necessarily put that on Chloe. It's a part her fault, but. You got to look at like, look at Bruce Jenner. I mean, uh, um, Caitlin, excuse me. I'm sorry. That wasn't appropriate. Look at that situation.
0: Yeah. Like, Like you had Madonna. Remember Madonna? Yeah. Love Madonna. So she, she dated that, that, uh, I mean, she dated Dennis Rodman, but she, and apparently she said she wanted to have kids with Dennis Rodman, but she ended up having kids with that personal trainer guy. And then she was like, thanks. Go on. And that's how he got, that's how Madonna got her daughter. Wow. Like Madonna was like auditioning people to be her baby daddy with no intention of ever staying with that person.
2: Yeah. I think you tried to do it with Prince and Tupac, too.
0: <laughs> See, so maybe Chloe's smarter than we think. Maybe she was, I don't know. I don't know if she's really. Like, if she's smart, she wants a super tall guy to be the, her baby daddy, whatever, you know, if she whatever she's looking for. Yeah. And, you know, great athlete, whatever. And then, don't be surprised when they act a fool. Because <laughs> they're gonna. They're NBA players.
2: NBA players, they're
0: they gonna. Burn like, through their money, and they burn through their women.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Michael was cheating his ass off Juanita go look up how much money Juanita got in the divorce settlement because Mike was out here in these streets we know what happened to Kobe Shaq's woman started basketball wise with the money that she took from the California divorce because Shaq was in these streets I'm waiting LeBron's played a long time I'm waiting for him to slip up I'm waiting because they real happy. Savannah, she's loyal. She real happy. I'm like, LeBron, come on. You're LeBron James. How can you not have that temptation?
0: You you,
2: you, know, you, want him to mess up. I don't want him to mess up. It's just like, how has he not with the track record of all the grace that I just named? You know what I'm saying? Like, Magic literally has a
0: disease. Yeah, <laughs> but know? Magic was... Magic was pre-cell phones.
2: True. Exactly. I mean,
0: 2007 changed everything. Yeah. Because suddenly everybody had a camera. Everybody was, you know.
2: Yeah. So.
0: And yeah. That's, that's what I love about LeBron is that he grew up in a rough situation. His mom was kind of off the rails. He He had to be the grown-up, and he had all the hype, and he handled it. Yeah, And he's out meeting with Warren Buffett. He's learning how to become a movie producer. I mean, this dude is like making sure that his money keeps growing, that he's invested in the right stuff. Yep. And I think he's t- looked out for the LBJ Corporation from day one. And I give him all kinds of credit for that because you're right. He's playing on teams with fools like <laughs> Tristan Thompson. No. <Yo, laughs> Tristan Thompson owes LeBron oh. – what was that contract? $94 million that he got on that initial contract in Cleveland? It was, it was thick. That was all because LeBron liked the guys around him, wanted the guys around him. So Tristan got a big, fat contract that he didn't deserve. Yeah, He's not a $94 million. And I just looked at his career earnings, uh, and I love Tristan Thompson. He's a funny guy. He's a nice guy. He was great when he was here. Um, I don't know what he's like now, but he's made $119 million in the NBA. Yeah. That's just his salary. Oh, he's – when he was on ESPN, he was
2: solid for that little bit, you know, as an analyst, like, he was solid. And when you watch him on the show, you're like, oh, this is a great guy. Like, what is Chloe – what are they talking about? And okay, like, here's oh, your okay. – that's okay, how we got like,
0: three minutes left. So here's your homework assignment. We know KD's the richest, made the most money in the NBA, but break it down. Give me like the top five all-time NBA money earners in the of, of the Longhorns. Now don't don't think about it now because you got to get your picks out. Why? Right. But on Monday, because something tells me Tristan Thompson might be in that top five. But um Thanks to LeBron. All right, I'm gonna give you my picks. Last week I went two and one. You went zero and three, which is not normal. You're normally the one that is on the right side, and I'm the one that's
5: we on the back. wrong side.
0: But you want to go first or me? You go. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Texas to cover the ten. I think that's what it is still. Um, let's see here.
2: Man, I'm out to jump. Check it out.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Texas because I got them winning 35-17. I'm going to take West Virginia. Ooh, I'm going to take West Virginia plus 13 in Norman. Let me see what time that game is. That's a night game. I still like West Virginia. Oh, wow. Texas minus 12. Okay, I'll still take it. Um, and give me the Bengals against minus six and a half against the Texans.
2: Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Let me run through these real quick. In the NFL, your Lions minus three against the Chargers. I'm taking your Lions, man. They're going to roll up to SoFi and handle their business. Detroit football. Do they do that like Detroit basketball? I'm sure they don't, but it sounds good. Yeah. Um, we got Buffalo and Denver. Buffalo minus seven. Oh, I'm going to go in Denver. Take the points. They beat Kansas City. I like that. I like that. I'm going to take Denver with the points there. And then for my last one, let me go with Jacksonville plus three against San Francisco at home. I'm taking Jacksonville. I'm going to go yeah. with the Jags. Brock Purdy still struggling. You go, I don't know if Debo Samuel's back. I don't give a damn. Brock Purdy's still struggling. I don't know if there'll be four straight losses, but yeah, I'm I like the Jags, man.
0: Jags plus three. Broncos. Oh, you like the Lions minus three. Yep. And Broncos plus seven. Yep. Okay. What do you what do you think for the Texas TCU game?
2: I got 34-20.
0: All
2: right. You know, I think Quinn's going to start off with just a little bit rusty and then he'll get his groove in the game and I think the defense they're going to be locked in per usual, but once they just let Josh Hoover start slinging that thing around, they're going to give up the yardage that we've seen the Horns give up. What may, could make this game a blowout from the Horn standpoint is the fact that TCU is just so bad in the red zone. 126 out of 131 teams. Gosh, I thought Texas was bad. Like TCU said, shit, watch this. And yeah, they once they get inside the 20, they're just atrocious. So we know how good the horns are defensively inside the 26th in the nation. And yeah, I think that could be a serious problem for the Horn Frogs. But yeah, 14 points. This this game is always weird, especially when it's in Fort Worth. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna base it off of previous matchups and the fact that Texas' record versus the Horn Frogs is not good as a whole. Good, you? Yeah. Wait, talk. What? Sorry, I repeat. What is Trey doing? Well, he's on mute now. Trey, what up, man? <laughs> 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 what an exit! What? I was like, what? When he said, "Hold on," I thought he was gonna get something and bring it back to show you, but it seemed like an important call. Obviously, all right, Chip. See you next week, I guess. Yeah. But.
5: What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, dude! I'm I'm good. That was that was hilarious. Uh, one one for the annals when uh when the Texas sports unfiltered story is written. The uh, the yeah. swift yeah. exit. I didn't put myself into the studio either. That was uh, that was done by Chip, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm doing all right. Thank you for covering post game tomorrow. I'll be doing pregame with Buck, starting at four, going all the way to six o'clock. We'll be broadcasting for Cover B Cave. And then it's gonna be you and Rodney post game. I can't wait to listen. Yep, we'll see how it goes, man. What, Jeff, how what oh, what's happening? What did
6: what did Chip mess up?
5: He didn't mess anything up necessarily. He just took a phone call when Zay was mid sentence without any sort of warning. And then I got it put was in, like on speaker you
2: know, too. Like we could hear the person from the phone.
6: That's why
2: it was hard. Chip, like.
6: Chip, is, Chip is a busy man. <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah he, he is a busy guy and he's obviously got his connections too. That was just hilarious how uh, how quickly that happened without any sort of warning. Zay's breaking down hearing him here and doing a great job of breaking down TCU. <laughs> i for a good, good, moment to pop on to say what's up to the guys try and make chip uncomfortable and then chip makes us uncomfortable with how he uh how he hit eject today man
6: that reminds me of the time that uh i was on the air when i was at the horn and bucky kept trying to call me not like not like butt dialing me i'm like i'm on right after you like you know i'm on the air right now
2: and i can't answer the phone he does that with me once a week. Still,
5: I, I, used to think that, I used to think that that was him messing with me. I just think that he either he's either messing with everybody or he just forgets about it in the moment. I think he just messes with everybody. Yeah, maybe so. We're all we're all fair game. That's right. Um,
6: hey, that the the chip deal that reminds me though. I said Chip was a busy man. You guys know I, I almost I got myself kicked out of home met class in high school my senior year because I came into class late. And the home ec teacher was like, Jeff, why are you so late? I just said, I'm a busy man, Miss Robertson. She's like, turn around, go right to the principal's office. (laughs) Yeah, I probably deserve that one. Did you get in trouble? No, dude, everybody liked me. I just went and shot shot the S with the principal for a little bit and then went back to class. Yeah, they just told me not to do it again.
2: Hey, that's what happens when you're averaging what 10 pin pancakes a game, Jeff? The- uh I was averaging 10 dinner? pancakes
6: for breakfast, not on the field at that point. I was- <laughs> that's uh that's the truth. That's the truth right there. Oh man. Oh, I was actually man. I was actually much thinner my senior year of high school. I was probably about two like in the two thirties. Oh. somewhere around there. And by that's the time nice I graduated
5: metabolism.
6: By the time I graduated, I grabbed I was probably right around 200 pounds when I graduated. Well, okay. and then that's what you know. That's why they say drink responsibly, kids, and they don't educate you in health class about hey, if you drink and eat while you're doing it, that's really what adds weight. So, mm-hmm. that's consider my public service done for the day.
2: Oh man,
5: love you guys. I well, have a good show. Appreciate y'all. See you, Zay. have a great weekend.